Today on Let Me Be Frank, gosh, so much stuff to talk about. His Excellency Bishop Frank Caggiano is going to tell us about um, many, many initiatives that are happening in the diocese today, from uh, the launching of the JP2 Evangelization Center to uh, things that are happening with parishes to the, the One and the Seton Collaborative and all kinds of stuff. Seminarians who are being uh, ordained, lots of stuff on the, on the agenda today. So keep your radio right here at 1350 AM or 103.9 FM, or keep us on the phone with the Veritas mobile app. You can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or at veritascatholic.com. Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad, the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good morning, my friend. Hey, Excellency. I think what we're going to do today, if it's, if it's okay with you, is do a little bit like a newscast. Let's talk about things around the diocese, the latest and greatest news. What do you think? Very good. That's good, because there's a lot happening, and I'm sure people would love to be caught up. Yeah, and if I miss anything and you can think of it, you let me know too. But um, first of all, it's very hard to believe before we do anything else that we are more than halfway through the Easter season. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, right. I mean, in a few weeks, it'll be Pentecost, and then we will go back to ordinary time. It's like everything It's like everything just happens so fast nowadays. I don't know. Anyway. That's true. Say, that's a sign of getting older. Mm-hmm. That's scientific proof to that, actually. Perception changes as you grow older. Mm-hmm. Huh. I yeah. guess it makes sense because each hour is that much less of your life the more hours you have on your life. What an uplifting uh, thought. Really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, uh, you are correct. But I also think uh, it's interesting, the gift of wonder and awe fades many times when we grow older and routine takes over. Once routine mm-hmm. takes over, then time appears to move faster. It's interesting. Wow. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So what's going on around the diocese? Many things. The first and foremost, which I thought you and I were part of, was the official inauguration of the Pope John Paul II Evangelization, Evangelizing Communication Center. And you are part of that because Veritas is part of that center. And we had a gathering last Thursday and a lot of well, everyone involved with the center and everyone involved in Catholic cemeteries that shares the new building, right? That you have mm-hmm. in Norwalk. Yes. We came together, we prayed. And for me, it's an exciting moment because for almost 10 years, I have been, I've been dreaming of creating one place where all the communication, information and formation both can be funneled in a very strategic, organized and logical way. So 
the plan is that all the diocesan assets, so we're talking Fairfield County Catholic, we're talking social media, we're talking our website, and Veritas as a collaborator, and there may be other collaborators down the road, right? Um, we'll work together to synchronize and coordinate how we're going to help bring formational opportunities and how we can inform our people of all the good things that are happening, right? Yeah, yes. Right. What do you think of the of the gathering? I thought it was awesome. Um, I'm so excited because while Veritas is not a part of the diocese in a structural sense, we are mm-hmm. here at your pleasure and we um, and we love the opportunity to collaborate with you it's because our mission is evangelization, apologetics, mm-hmm. cate- catechizing mm-hmm. everybody who we can touch. And, um, and so because you have such a, a vision in this regard, I mean, I feel like we're blessed to be here uh, in your diocese and to be working with you. And I'm just so excited about it. So um, lots of good things to come. It's tremendous. It's tremendous. See, because the question that we have to reflect on and our listeners can reflect on is this. It's one thing to articulate a vision, so we call it the one. It's another thing to operationalize it and change the culture. Because a vision, there are lots of visionaries. Most of them don't really amount to much. But if you want to change the culture, then constant, coherent, Repetition, communication is essential to do that. Otherwise, it, 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 you can't change perceptions. And once, if you don't change perceptions, you don't change culture, right? Yes. Now, the yep. sad thing is, in the secular culture, there is a narrative out there that's being fed over and over again with a very specific agenda to move our society, right, in a much more permissive, secular, liberal um, set of values and all the rest. Ours is the gospel. I mean, so we have our playbook. It's just a question of getting individuals to understand what it is that that the Lord is asking of us. So key to this would be a director from our end who would coordinate with you and the other affiliates and and, and collaborators. And that position will be posted relatively soon. But the hope is that by the fall, that person will be in place. And so if anybody who's on the, listening on this podcast who has a background in communication and, and really wants to make a difference in the life of the church, right, you, well, then when that job goes up on the Dawson website, please take a look at it and give consideration to it, right? Because you will be a key player in the one, key, very key player in the one. Yes. Now, in that same building, right, we talked about Catholic uh, cemeteries. Well, first of all, the whole staff at cemeteries, Dean Gestalt, they're doing a great job. They really are um, bringing our cemeteries up to, to, to I'm going to call it up to speed with a lot of repairs that were long overdue and beautification of the cemeteries and making them far more in image and function Catholic. When mm-hmm. you go into a Catholic cemetery, from beginning to end, you should know it's Catholic, right? And, and they have made tremendous strides in that. But also what I thought was fascinating is this new program. You know, they have... Uh, a bereavement program, the cemetery. Yes, so important. Right? Yep. So, what do you know about it, Steve? What do you, do you have anything to share about it? Um, I know very little. I know that they're trying to work with parishes to um, provide bereavement services mm-hmm. for folks who have lost loved ones, mm-hmm. and um, 
-hmm. And having lost a loved one myself, I know that that's so important. You're not necessarily going to seek it out, but if it's there in your hometown, in your parish, right. I, I, I would have taken advantage. Yes. Right. See, in a sense, when we were at the blessing, when I went downstairs, it was pointed out to me that there were a number of candles, maybe about 20 of them. I'm not sure you saw them, but on each candle, there was the picture of a young person who has recently died. Oh, wow. We're talking in their teens and 20s and how they're gathering the families of those who lost young ones to be able to pray with them, right? And that is a critical moment, right, where a person can easily totter between encouragement in the Lord or despair in grief. The loss is so deep. But the bereavement program, that is among many events and many opportunities, including training, right, as you say, so that parishes can accompany those who lose loved ones, right? That's leaven for profound change. Again, in the one, it's accompaniment. So someone dies, we attend to you as a church. We help you to plan the ceremonies and the prayer. And then what happens when two weeks later you're all by yourself in your house and suddenly the, the world starts crashing down around you? Yes. Right? So there's just one, another, just out of this larger initiative, there's another that comes to my inbox every day, which is a daily brief reflection, perhaps 80 words that is being sent to everyone who has recently lost a loved one of any age in, in all our cemeteries, inviting them to reflect and to and give thought and to pray. And there'll be times when they could be invited to events. So I'm super excited about this because once again, it's another seed, right? There's gonna be no billboard on 95 that says we're doing this. It's a seed mm -hmm. that will touch individual lives in a very profound way. Right, helping to encounter Christ and the company. So that's all in the one building. You're upstairs yeah. and they're downstairs. Right? Yes. <laughs> yep. Which is amazing. Now, let's talk about something else, which is yet to be announced, but it will be announced soon. And that is um, Dr. Patrick Donovan, who's the executive director of the uh, the Leadership Institute, right, the Catholic formation that we do for adults. Yes. He is working with a group of uh, technicians who helped create LEAD, our platform, to actually, listen to this, to use artificial intelligence to be able to use as the sole text, the sole text, the catechism of the Catholic Church, so that if you have any question about faith, once this is unveiled, you could type it in at three levels, young, adult, and scholar. That's the plan. Now, it still has to be vetted and tested out and beta tested, but so that I got the advanced link, right? And so I typed in, what is the Trinity on scholar? I figure, you know, hopefully I could figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and you it was qualify. unbelievable. It was unbelievable. The answer was just unbelievable. And you know it's authentic because the only source text they are using is the catechism, nothing else. No theologians, no opinions, no articles, nothing, just the catechism. And in about 25 sentences, it was a beautiful summary of what we believe the Trinity, who we believe the Trinity to be, with references on which you could learn more. 
Wow. So when that's unveiled, you talk about an apologetic tool. Yes. It would be stupendously helpful for parents, catechists, the, the, the average believer, in the sense average, it could be anybody, and myself, to be honest, to be able to use artificial intelligence in a constructive way. Yeah. So that is also in the offing will be announced really soon. You know, we could just take a sidebar about artificial intelligence. You know, it's like everything else. I see artificial intelligence as a wild horse, right, in a, in a field that has energy and potential and can, and but also left untamed can literally kill you. Right. And that's exactly what artificial intelligence is now. Because in the end, what is that GPT chat for or something mm -hmm. like that that's being dated? Yes. Right. In the end, junk in gets junk out. And if you are using the entire internet, or whatever the basis is for your answers, you know that a lot of what's coming out is junk. Right. But people will, under the guise and visage of, ooh, this artificial intelligence, this is like scientific, will believe the junk. That's one. That's one worry I have. So I think somehow as we develop protocols as a church, we have to ask the fundamental question, what are the source texts that are being used to generate your answer? Because if they're not really faithful, don't bother, run, right? right. As mama used to say, it's better to have no answer than the wrong answer, <laughs> okay? So that's one piece of it. The second is for artificial intelligence, it's driven by economics. It's driven by profit because businesses are beginning to utilize it so that they can displace workers and displace other services that they use. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we have not thought through what effect that would have on real people, right? With right. real lives who can easily be out of a job simply because of profit. Mm -hmm. And we have to ask ourselves, who is profiting from the profit? Which is a whole nother question. That's, I think we should have a guest come in on artificial intelligence, just to break open this question for our people. Yeah. Because this horse is gonna either kick us in the face or we can ride it into the future. It's one or the other. Yes. But yep. we, I think, have found a way, and I wanna thank Patrick Donovan because he's taking the lead on this, that perhaps in the next three or four or five months, we could debut this, and this will be certainly a tremendous help for us. Okay, so now, Let's go back to the one. Now, for everyone who's listening, because repetition is the mother of all learning, the one is our audacious adventure to change the very culture of the church, meaning we are going to rebuild a Catholic culture that allows ordinary experiences to become encounters with the Lord Jesus and to revitalize our communities existing and wants to be created so that once you are beginning to develop a real living personal relationship with Jesus, you're not left alone. But there are people you can associate with, grow in friendship. Okay, so having said that, I successfully completed my last gathering with parish leaders. 
So the total number of individuals I met with personally in those meetings, the nine meetings, tops 2,600 people. And I had a grand old time. I loved every minute of it. And the people have been so kind in their response back and their feedback. I've been to confirmations. I've been to parish visits. I've been to meetings and people say, Bishop, what's next? What's next? What's next? Let's get this thing moving. And so I want to update a bit. Okay, so three things. The first is this week we are going to inaugurate our communication, weekly communication called One in Christ. And what it will do between now and September, it is going to highlight everything that already exists. Because to the point of a communication center, the vast majority of our people have no idea of the astonishing, extraordinarily fruitful seeds already planted, have been planted some for 30 years and others in the last few years. So it's just communication. So if you're interested in beauty, if you're interested in truth, interested in goodness, interested in, 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 in friendship or uh, accompaniment or small communities, they all have like subtitles, then there's an opportunity for a person to explore. I think people, and so the idea is not that I give a, you know, we do a memo and we say, no, those, no. This is actually going to be more of a, um, of a fairly sophisticated, certainly professionally done. We have someone, thank God, who will help me to do this. And it will be directly sent to all the parish leadership of the diocese. Down the road, it will be sent to all our donors. Now, we have a donor base of emails that are active of over 50,000 Catholics, okay? In lead, we have access to almost 6,000 parish leaders. So the clergy is gonna receive it because every Monday in the evening, an email goes out with all of the relevant information that the clergy need for the week. This will be sent to them, but also directly to their people. So there's nothing left for guessing that people receive. Now, in lead, believe it or not, we could track whether you open it or not. Mm -hmm. So let's say Steve Lee is very faithful and Frank Caggiano is not. Everyone will get the information, but Steve may actually get more because there would be articles, um, there could be commentaries, there could be other things related to what you're interested in that Frank Caggiano may not, but you may be, and we can actually do that and send it as this communication center becomes more sophisticated. So you actually can imagine that a person in their formation is accompanied really almost personally. It's astounding, isn't it? That's awesome. Oh, yeah. So that's one. Number two, as I announced at the last meeting I had at All Saints, which was, I guess, last Saturday, or two Saturdays ago, I forget now. Um, in the fall, when I met with the deans this past Tuesday, last week's, last Tuesday, mm -hmm. I gave them nine dates and I said to them, I want you to go back to your pastors and pick one of those nine when instead of having large scale meetings, 
I will have small-scale meetings of regional parish leadership. Well, let me tell you, when I mentioned that at the last meeting, people were enthusiastic about it because you know what? Uh, if we're talking about accompaniment in Greenwich, it's going to be different than accompaniment in Bridgeport. Yes. Why is that? People are people. Well, yes, but their circumstances are different. So if, if, if you have an area where people are, are very much involved in their school activities, extracurricular activities with their young people, and work very late hours because they're working in the city, for example, right? Or now even online, but long hours. That may be different than another neighborhood that is uh, either, uh, let's say, those individuals are more, I'm going to say, your day laborers, or quite frankly, right, maybe of a different culture, and accompaniment means diff something different for Vietnamese or Hispanics of all different types, or Koreans, whatever, than it may be for Italian Americans in Stanford. Yes. So the whole idea of the regional meeting is to say, okay, ladies and gentlemen, what are we going to do in this region to do encounter and accompaniment? I'm all ears. I want to hear what you have to do. And notice what's also new for the very first time is if you serve on a finance council, you serve on the, on, on the, uh, as a trustee, you're just as much involved if you're on the parish council or a lector or a catechist. It's all leadership, all leadership. I am super excited to hear the thoughts because the dean then is the, as the regional leader will work with me to see how we can bring those suggestions to reality in the particular area where they are. Yes. Right? So that is also, and that will be announced soon to the diocese so everybody knows what the schedule is, although you, you only really come to your region. Because in the end, if I'm coming, it's all Saturday morning. So if I'm going to come and want all the leaders, they need at least six, seven, eight months to know that they have to keep that morning free. Right. right? Otherwise, you give them two weeks notice. Of course, many people can't come. So, And the last piece for the one that I thought is also very interesting is uh, I will be meeting at the end of May with the board of the Seton Collaborative and they are poised to approve for the very first time regional personnel to serve in ministry that will be employees of Seton. So I'm gonna take a step back because many people have heard about Seton but they may not know exactly what it is. Okay, so the Seton Collaborative has two major functions. It was established about a year and a half ago. The first is particularly for our schools, but eventually down the road for our parishes, to be able to provide services, well, I'm going to call them back office services, that are more efficient and cost effective when offered to a number of schools than if the schools had to replicate them one by one. So there is strength in numbers. There's also strength in bringing the best talent to bear on these things. So whether it is IT, whether it's finance, whether it's procurement, whatever it may be, okay? Again, we have two types of schools. People need to remember, right, that we have diocesan schools, and then we have diocesan, if I may put it, or bishop-sponsored academies. The first, right, is directly under the control of the super superintendent. The second, 
is really independent. They have fiduciary boards, right, that run the schools in my name. I'm ultimately the member, but they run it in my name. So the dynamic is different because for the first, one could say you need to be, participate in this program. In the other, you have to make it compelling enough that the boards who are responsible for good of the school actually see the value in doing it to vote it in. Yeah. So I like that because it keeps the pressure on to make sure that what we're proposing is values driven. So that's one half of the equation. The other half of the equation is what I'm going to call personnel, meaning that on the parish side, we've talked about this before, I think. I have many worries about the future parish leadership of our, of, of our parishes for at least these reasons. Number one, Many of our parish leaders have served faithfully and are growing older and sooner or later will soon retire over the mm -hmm. next 10 years. Number two, they have worked valiantly for little pay, the truth be told. Okay. Number three, we do have a generation of young people for all the, the doom and gloom that sometimes you know people revert back to about young people not being involved in the church. The truth is we have a significant number of young people coming out of universities who are on fire for the faith and want to minister in the church. Yes. But we cannot give them the choice between poverty and ministry. <laughs> <laughs> That's unjust. So while we're moving towards this renewal, it makes perfect sense to me that there be some place where a group of pastors can go to say, we have a common need. We are, have thought through what that common need is and what the ministry we want to do that need. And now we need someone to help us. Can you help us to find that person? And that's ultimately what Seton is doing, right? So I am super excited because the Fairfield pilot, which we've spoken about, and the Norwalk pilot, which we've spoken about, will come to a vote. And those positions will be created. And we have a pastoral agreement among the pastors. We have a contract with Seton and a job description so that that person will be at the disposal of the pastors. There'll be one pastor who will kind of be the coordinator. And please God, as this evolves, this ministry will grow. And we are going to find seed money to be grant money for these initial pilots so that the pastors really need not be worried so much about financing all of it, but can really work on perfecting the mechanism and the operationalization of it and the ministry of it so that they could be kind of like the posters success stories for others then to follow suit. So by the way, anybody in this podcast who wants to donate to this, right, particularly significant way, you know where to find me because this, my friends, is the cutting edge of this new culture, without a doubt. And you know who the supervisor of these people are? Me. Because as the head of Seton, at least temporarily, it's me in the parish side, not the school side, the parish side. So I am extraordinarily excited because the more the vision gets transferred into the minds and hearts of these individuals and other parish leaders, old and new, the more we can create this culture. I think this is really exciting. And, and this, the Seton Collaborative Excellency, 
I know we need to go to a break in a minute or so, but um, it is uh, potentially not appreciated enough by the greater population because what it's going to do for streamlining and efficiency and Mm -hmm. allowing the parishes and the pastors and the schools to really zoom ahead in Mm -hmm. many ways Mm -hmm. is uh, it's really important. Without a doubt. And of course, there are very there are some individuals who are um, generous and trusting that will give seed money to a theory. It's much more compelling to give it to a concrete proposal. Yes. Mm-hmm. So now that these proposals are approved, when they're approved, then to ask some individuals to give some help financially to this project that will benefit directly our young people, for example, in Fairfield or Norwalk, or young adults, perhaps in Stanford, or adult faith formation in Bridgeport, uh, including marriage preparation, which would be more than come one day. But what the Bridgeport pastors are talking about is working with engaged culture, uh, engaged couples, prepare them for their wedding, and walk with them, accompany them for at least a few years after their marriage. Awesome. Right? that is much more compelling for a donor to say, okay, and and if it works, let's get the good news out to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Okay, so uh, let's take a quick break here, Excellency, and uh, there's a lot more news to come on the other side of the break when we come back. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. We'll be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Um, Excellency, let's keep going. I know there's a lot more great news. Yep. Okay, so the next item are the deaneries themselves. So people may not be aware, but there are nine deaneries in the diocese, which are small geographic regional um, groupings of parishes that originally were created simply to foster fraternity among the clergy, particularly the priests, many of whom are alone. 
and to set the stage for what eventually now has evolved into the one and the idea of this regional cooperation, collaboration, one could even say planning. Now, those deaneries need now to be realigned because it's one thing to gather people for fraternity. It's another thing to actually regionally cooperate. And there has to be some sort of logic. So the deans have worked up recommendations and soon I will realign the deaneries. So I'll give a perfect example. One that is clear is St. Rose in Newtown was aligned with Monroe and I believe it was with Shelton, but it will move to be aligned with Danbury. In fact, St. Rose, St. Joseph's in Brookfield and St. Mary's in Bethel, they have been working together on the youth ministry anyway for a number of years, not through the Seton, more as a, an agreement among the pastors, not in a formal sense, the way the Seton will do it. So yes. there will be other changes. Now the question is, there will have to be working groups within the deaneries. An example, okay. In the deanery that has Darien, New Canaan, and Norwalk, the Norwalk pastors are working together on this regional collaboration, this regional coordinator of events for young people. Darien, the two parishes in Darien, when I was at St. John's a few months ago, I said to them, there is a conversation that has to be had just between the two parishes of Darien. Because there is, on my understanding, in addition to all the private schools, there's only one public school, which is very, I mean, academically is quite superior. So the young people know each other. So, and then St. Saint, Saint Aloysius is undergoing a $26 million capital campaign and it's building a regional, it's, it's building a religious education center. Yeah. So what I want people to appreciate is even though some of these deaneries are gonna be realigned, so you'll get that news in the next two weeks or so, every deanery could have multiple working groups working right on their own individual projects so there are some that's just where that may not be the case stanford greenwich bridgeport they're all one city or one town but these others cross towns cross same thing with fairfield fairfield has the westport pastors the westport pastors need to start working together so it is more complicated than it looks but it's important to that whoever's in the grouping, right, that there's a, a, a logic to it. So as we've evolved, so that also is in the midst of being changed, which mm -hmm. I think can open up some new possibilities. Yeah. Let's continue, okay? On May 1st, which is the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, I signed the decree that merged the parish of St. George into the parish of St. Charles Borromeo in Bridgeport. So that is, I believe, the sixth merger, formal merger of parishes. And I must tell you, first of all, Father Abelardo and Father Alexis were absolutely extraordinary in their cooperation with each other and with the people of the two parishes. From the beginning, it was all about serving the people. 
and I, I'm proud of both of them. Father Abelardo obviously remains the pastor of St. Charles Borromeo, and he is the pastor now of the expanded two-church parish. And Father Alexis and I have been in conversation about what ministry he would want to be involved with. And I think we will have very good news very shortly to announce, but not today. <laughs> so I keep you in suspense. <laughs> when I attended the leadership meetings of the two parishes, I was amazed at how open and, and how fo forward thinking the people of the two parish were and how they welcome the opportunity of working together. So now you say, well, what is the difference? The mass schedules remain the same in both churches. Both churches retain their names. So the people of St. George do not lose the Church of St. George, but there are a number of ministries at St. George that are flourishing that now the people of their sister campus can attend. I mean, they're, they're one parish. And there's many ministries at St. Charles that the people of St. George now can attend because they're one larger family. It's no difference that at St. Charles, they are busting at the seams with all the stuff that's going on and the lack of space. Now suddenly there is a hall at St. George, which is also open to those activities so that the people of St. George can join. And now suddenly you have a larger range. You have more possibilities and opportunities. And when people come together, there's more synergy and more energy and more encouragement. So will there be other mergers? Possibly, not many, possibly, but it's always from below. So this process was six months in the making. Hmm. And I must tell you again, I did not get a single complaint, not a letter, not a phone call, nothing. Other of my brother bishops unfortunately have not <laughs> That experience, <laughs> but you, you engage and empower people and people love the Lord and want the church to grow. It's, it's not as difficult as it sounds. So that also is news. Yeah. Right. In Bridgeport. The other thing that's interesting is in our mergers up to date, up to this point, many of the campuses have been used for diocesan-sponsored work. So for example, you think of Sacred Heart St. Patrick, the campus of Sacred Heart also is the home of the guild. Right. You think of Holy Family St. Emery's, St. Emery's is the home of the new monastery for the uh, cloistered Carmelites. When you think of St. Gabriel's and St. Cecilia, St. Gabriel's also the home now for the quasi-parish for the Haitian community. And I could mm -hmm. go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. It's intriguing that in the merger of St. Charles and St. George, the pastors of Bridgeport have been talking about the possibility of locating that regional adult formation, particularly in Spanish, at St. George. So it would have a larger scope of service beyond just being part of the parish. And that yeah. kind of excites me because now we're leveraging what was, in a sense, a single parish into now remaining a community of faith for the parishioners, but also a much larger group of people who can come together, be accompanied, right? Yes. So that is also news, literally, literally breaking news about the merger of St. George into St. Charles. Now, 
we are in the midst of completing our mass counts. So last weekend and this past weekend were our mass counts. And I don't have the data yet, but when we record, either next week or the week after, I will have all of that, and I will share with everyone who is listening. So recall where we were. The baseline, baseline, we were at 72% recovered from COVID. We had about 51,000 people attending mass. We had a little less than 70,000 before COVID hit. Now, we chose these two weekends for a particular reason. Well, actually, two reasons. One is that there's a pastor meeting coming, and I want to share the information with the pastors in the hope that it is further good news. But secondly, it's interesting. There's an interesting dynamic. What, odd, actually. But one of the weekends outside of summer that has the worst attendance is, take a guess. Outside of summer. Gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> Divine Mercy Sunday. Really? The octave of Easter tends to have attendance way down. I guess because everybody figures they went to, maybe they went to church three, four times in Holy Week. They had their confession. They, I don't know, but it has, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but but <laughs> it seems to be, seems to be every year kind of, that's where we're at. Wow. Wow. So we chose the week after and the week after. So it would have been the third and fourth Sundays of Easter. But even that attendance tends to be down because people are attending confirmations and Holy Communions. Mm -hmm. And I guess in their mind, they've gone to, they went to church this week. Interesting, right. no? <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. But, but it gives us the absolute baseline meaning. If there's improvement in those numbers, then we are actually improved even more than what the numbers say if that yes. makes any sense, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I'm hoping for good news in that regard as well. I will publish all that for everyone in the diocese to see. And um, as I said to you in many other occasions when we've talked about COVID and we've talked about the one, some parishes have seen outstanding growth in attendance way beyond what COVID was, what they had before COVID. And if you recall, what was the, what's the only thing I could discern could be the main factor why that happened? Do you remember? Oh, gosh, Excellency. I'm sorry. I don't remember. Oh, nice. Okay. Repetition's <laughs> the mother of all learning. So yes, there you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is those parishes that intentionally did outreach to their people, hmm. phone calls, letters, mm -hmm. interventions, those parishes that made sure the elderly were not stuck by calling them, getting their groceries and leaving them on their doorsteps so they could have it. Those sort of, the parishes that did that have seen in a few cases, explosive growth. Yeah, that makes sense. I should have guessed that. <laughs> right? and, and again, it's the one. They were living yeah. the one before there even was a one, right? They're, they're, right? They're, those experiences are encounters with Christ and they're accompanying people in need. Okay, so that's, that next may 20th 11 a.m it is going to be a stellar day 
because I will have the great privilege to ordain six men to the ministerial priesthood for our diocese. Wow. Wow. As St. Teresa's in trouble, we're not going to the cathedral because quite frankly, the cathedral's a tad bit too small. Okay. The cathedral only seats about 800, 750, and St. Teresa's, I think, seats almost 1,000, 100, 1,150. And these young men are so good. I mean, I just, I had a dinner with them, a private dinner with them, six of them and me, at the former residence in Trumbull. And I, I shared with them their assignments, which are still secret. So I can't Top share secret. with those yet. Right? Although, okay. you know, there are only mysteries in the church, not secrets. But nonetheless, they are secrets <laughs> up to this point. And um, I, it, what a tremendous two and a half hours we spent together. Uh, they're all extremely happy. They're all going to do phenomenally well. They all have excellent parishes and pastors in particular. But the conversation we had, I was just so proud of them. I really was. And I felt almost like I was there. You know, I say I'm their spiritual father, but at that conversation, that's really how I felt. And I wanted to have that conversation with them because we do have a dinner. We always have a dinner a night before their, their ordination, okay, at the former house. But with guests there and all those people, you really can have a heart-to-heart talk. So now that's become my new tradition from now on to do that. Awesome. So that reduces the number of our seminarians happily by six, right? Because they're not priests. Um, So we're in the midst of, please God, recruiting more men. And the good news there is that we have one already approved, two are in application, one is um, discerning whether to enter this year or next year, and another went to visit St. Charles, and the word I've gotten is um, his parents are very impressed, and he is ready. So we may, please God, by the end of June, have an equal number of seminarians coming in as priests being ordained. Isn't that tremendous? That is awesome. That is just awesome. So it shows that the spirit is alive and something good is beginning to stir, right? Yes. So May 20th. And then I believe the date is uh, June 17th. But let me just check in the wizardry of technology. Yep. (laughs) On June 17th, Saturday, is when David Klein will be ordained to the transitional diaconate to be ordained a priest in the following year. And that will occur at the cathedral because it's only David being ordained as a deacon, mm-hmm. which is which is a separate ordination from the d- men who are being ordained to the permanent diaconate, if I could call it. I, it's both, right. it's, both the, the, it's the same diaconate, but one is moving towards priesthood. The other one is going to be the vocation they will keep, please God, their whole life. And we have, I believe, if I remember the number, it's 13 men inquiring about the diaconate. Wow. Of which the expectation is for between seven and nine will be ready to begin formation in the fall, which is the largest class we have had maybe in 20 plus years. Amazing. This is the largest class I'm ordaining to the priesthood. Before wow. I came, you may remember, Steve, 
Archbishop Cronin came where there was no bishop and ordained seven mm -hmm. priests, seven yes. to the priesthood. So this is my largest group, but I said, we're gonna keep onward and upward, right? Please God, That's one great. day we'll have like 10. And then it's like Simeon, then I could go in peace. Lord, I've done my work. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so that's on the horizon. Another thing that's going to be inaugurated very soon is we started it before COVID and COVID derailed it. Now it's time to bring it back. And I call it the Bishop's Lecture Series. And what that is, is going to be either two or three talks that will be done live where we'll get the best and brightest minds to come. And we're going to talk about what I'm going to say are the burning, cutting edge, theological and pastoral questions that we need to have answers for. Such as, okay, transgenderism. And how do we as a church respond with charity to those who are suffering from that dysphoria, but also remain faithful to the truth? Or what lots of stuff that I've talked about, uh, uh, what does it mean to be a human person? Like how do, how do, you, how do you explain that to a six-year-old? We have to understand as an adult first and then have someone help you to translate it. Or the role of faith and reason or science, I would love, love to have a talk on the theological and pastoral implications of some of the cutting edge science, whether it's astronomy or quantum physics or string theory. And you may say, what does that have to do? Well, that's where our young people are being really introduced, but they all have a larger theological context, right? And there are some really outstanding theologians, women and men faithful to the church who have done enormous work. So you sit in that lecture for 45 minutes, have a time to ask questions. You go home armed with the ability to have an intelligent conversation with your 14 or 15 year old son who knows more about it than you do, or I do, right. or we all do. <laughs> 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 So that's also going to be inaugurated. That will, that will begin in the fall. And then more than likely, if we get permission from these lecturers to be able to tape them, they will also tape the lectures so that we can make them available for those who, you know, who may not be able to come. Right? Yes. Awesome. So that's also on the horizon. Now, I'm going to stop there because it's like everything else. It, you get overloaded and you say, oh, my gosh, how can I keep all of this straight? And the question is, I... I I'm the master of lists. I'm the master of files. I have files everywhere, lists everywhere. And I've always been attentive by personality to detail. I always have. Yep. Yeah. But if nothing else, I hope our listeners say, oh my goodness, there's an awful lot going on. Yeah. These are 10 seeds, right? So right there, there are 10 of those communicates. That's two and a half months right there just to communicate this. And there's a lot more. Yeah. yeah. We haven't talked about it. It's, it's amazing because from the beginning of this show, you and I have talked about the difference between 
managing decline in a parish or in a diocese versus proactively taking steps towards uh, becoming more robust in our offerings of the faith, more efficient in the way things are run so that we can charge forward into the future. And um, mm-hmm. I just got to say, I mean, I, I take such heart in what you're doing here. Um, it's just amazing. I have a whole page here of notes. <laughs> you know so many is, questions and so little time. You know what it is, Steve, in the end, too? It's humility will give the church the, the, the growth and the rebirth we're looking for. Humility has to do that. It's the stance for prayer in the catechism. Um, we had a phenomenal presentation at the diaconal convocation a while back, a few days ago, on humility. It's just outstandingly done. And the fact that all of these could be put on a poster, but none of them will be put on the poster, is the path of humility. Right? The success mm. in the end is not drawing attention to, oh, look what we're doing no. The success right. is when people's lives have been radically changed. And they'll yes. speak the story. Yes. Right? And then it's like, what was that Coca-Cola commercial a long time ago um, with the polar bear in the snow? Mm-hmm. And there was one person singing. And then there was a second person singing. Then there were two other people singing. And then there was a whole choir singing. And I forgot the song they were singing. I think it was a Coca-Cola song, whatever it is. But right. that's exactly what I'm talking about, that we're going to have voices start to sing of their of their faith and their relationship in Jesus Christ in their communities. And then sooner or later, it'll become a symphony. That's the goal. I love awesome. it. I love it. Yes. I love it. So uh, when the uh, JP2 Communication Center really launches, there will be one place where, you know, mm-hmm. all this news can go out and people can go. Veritas will certainly, in the meantime, we'll do what we can to try and point people in the in the right direction for things. But is there one place right now before we get to that where people can say, you know what, I'm really interested in this thing that the bishop said. Um, yeah. I want to find I, out more. I want to get involved. Yeah. I think we, we are, that's on our agenda for tomorrow's administrative committee right, the, the, the Curia okay. staff, is to create the, the repository, right? So the one needs to be on the Diasum website, similar to what we did with the upper room. If you remember, the upper room was the yes. precursor of this. Do your own, yes. right? So yes. we have to create somewhere where all of these messages can be housed, right? And so a person right. can say, you know, I didn't get the email, I missed it, but you know where you could go to check it out. And there could be hyperlinks to the actual websites and places where you could get more information. And then eventually the communications center is going to manage the website. So, I mean, it will all be in one happy family. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have to tell you a Great. quick story before we break. All right. Real quick. Two seconds, yes. Steve. So I've, I've gotten into the habit of, at confirmations, mentioning to the young people, I thought this was, this was hysterical the young people that your your pastor is your spiritual father, which makes me your spiritual grandfather. Then I, t- I tell them you know, <laughs> right. my last words. One young man came up to me at confirmation and said, hey, pops, 
<laughs> I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love this. Great. <laughs> oh, he is. He's embracing. He's embracing yeah. your message. <laughs> All right. So let's take uh, one more break and then we'll be back with a listener question. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Be right back. Hey, it's Matt from Restless on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Each week on Restless, we young adults restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world. Join us each Friday at noon on 1350 AM, 103.9 FM, the Veritas app, or wherever you get your shows. Hope to see you there. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Excellency, here is this week's listener question. Listener wrote in and said, a question for Bishop Frank. Can I offer up my rosary for more than one intention? I don't know how to word this, but does it dilute the effectiveness of the prayer? Also, in confession, a priest told me to say the rosary as my penance. Is it okay if I also offer up that same rosary for other intentions? Sorry if this is a dumb question. Never a dumb question. No such thing. It doesn't exist. And my answer to your question is yes and yes. That is, yes, you can offer more than one intention. And yes, even in penance, you could offer it for more than one intention besides reparation for your sins. Absolutely. Because God knows already what you're going to ask for. What I do when I pray the rosary, five decades, every decade has its own intention. Hmm. Right, And what I find is I actually have fallen into the same five for the last few months, which is interesting. But yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Ask as many intentions as you wish. God is gracious right. and wildly generous. Right. His mercy is infinite, so you can't dilute that. Nope. Great. Okay. So if you have a question for Bishop Frank... Send it in on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And you can learn more about their outstanding work at Foundations infaith.org lots going on excellency this is amen. pretty cool amen amen a so let's pray and shall we yes in the name of the father of the son and of the holy spirit amen i invite everyone to join me in this prayer that we learned when we were little children glory be to the father, the father and to the son and to the, son. And to the holy, spirit, holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen May Almighty Amen. God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Steve, enjoy your Amen. week, my friend. Thanks, Excellency. You too. Okay. See All you. Best. See you soon.